say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Jim Hinckley's America. Good morning, everyone. How fitting that we have music like this from Joe and Woody and boys of the Road Crew, Road Crew 66. And how fitting is it that we have a sponsor like Magical, Delightful, Wonderful Tucumcari, New Mexico, a destination for Route 66 enthusiasts, a neon wonderland, and a great place to hang your hat for a few days of adventure and discovery. Hey, today, we are going to be talking about Winnebago, Airstream, Independence, and Eccentrics. I think you're going to find this one kind of interesting. Speaking of road trips, things of that nature. While Lloyd Rounds never achieved the financial success or the recognition awarded the founder of Airstream, his visionary efforts and talents exemplify the optimism of the post-war era, as well as the spirit that has made America great. Motorized campers had been built in numerous configurations since at least World War I. Round's idea, initiated in 1946, was to expand on the concept and to build a vehicle that was more home than transportation. As he saw it, the vehicle was to provide a practical solution for the post-war housing shortage or for construction workers whose trade required a move to a new location on a regular basis. The culmination of these ideas was the Nomad II, completed in 1949. Built largely of war surplus, including aircraft aluminum framing as well as sheeting and utilizing aircraft construction techniques, this revolutionary experiment on wheels had many features unknown even in most conventional homes of the time. Full air conditioning, radiant heating in the floors, a water heater, cork insulation panels, and lucite thermal windows. However, this was but a small display of the innovative genius that was made manifest in the Nomad. When parked, the driver's compartment converted to a study with intricately hinged panels and a steering column that collapsed to be stowed under the dash. Power steering and front-wheel drive made it somewhat easier to operate a vehicle that weighed 15,000 650 pounds empty and was 40 feet in length. An extremely overworked Ford Flathead V8 proved to be the Nomad's Achilles heel. Additional mechanical shortcomings were found on the vehicle's maiden voyage from California to North Dakota. A return trip to California and a short run to Arizona proved to be the Nomad's final voyages. Now, here's another one for you. Dave Peterson. He was an avid outdoorsman whose idea for a motorized home was birthed as a solution for his frustration of being forced to decide whether to pull his boat or his Airstream trailer. Unlike the Nomad, his Ultravan actually made it into production. Now, this, uh, the Ultravan is a truly unique concept in recreational vehicles. The Ultravan featured extensive use of aluminum, 
and was built with the principles of monocoque construction. It featured more than six feet of headroom, was wide enough to seat four comfortably, and was fully self-contained as well as heavily insulated. But the most revolutionary aspect was the choice of rear engine configuration to ensure a lower stance as well as elimination of the floor hump. What kind of drivetrain in 1959 would be adaptable for such an application? Why, the all-new Chevrolet Corvair. Initial testing of the prototype exceeded expectations, and simply through discussions with friends as well as fellow outdoor enthusiasts, Peterson found himself in the unique position of receiving orders for a vehicle that technically did not exist. But from this juncture, things began to move rather quickly. Crystalite Corporation began limited production of the vehicle under the Travelon name. Then in 1965, publishing magnate John Tilliston received rights to mass-produce the Class A motorhome and relocated the entire operation to Hutchinson, Kansas. By the end of 1966, eight units per month were selling at an astounding price of $8,995. Also, there was a $250 bird dog rebate for those who used their vehicle to attract business. By 1969, the year the Corvette engine was phased out, 305 units had been built. Remaining units on hand were adapted to the Oldsmobile Toronado configuration. Next was the Series 500 with a reverse-facing Chevrolet-built 307 cubic inch displacement V8 engine. However, the cost of these transitions pushed the sales price with options to over $14,000 when a Winnebago could be had for $11,000. In June 1970, production ceased, and the Ultravan became just another forgotten chapter in American automotive history. Here's another story for you. John K. Hansen. He had a long list of successful business accomplishments. He was a manager of a farm implement store, furniture and appliance stores. He was a funeral home director. But to his credit, when he joined several other investors to launch Winnebago Industries in 1958, the company's initial offering was the 15-foot Aho trailer, which could sleep five in comfort and featured a propane gas stove, a sink, and refrigerator, all for just $895. Since that time, the company has become a leader in the development of recreational vehicles, and with extensive diversification, pioneered almost every aspect of the RV market. In 1964, the company developed a lightweight wall material called Thermopanel. It was 30% lighter than conventional lumber products, and this served as the foundation for the company's new offerings. KD caps for pickup trucks. The first motorhome, the F-19, the product Winnebago is most often associated with, was built on a Ford chassis and introduced in the spring of 1966. The almost instant success of these coaches and increasing demand of other products gave the company incentive to offer two more models, the F-17 and D-22 on a Dodge chassis, and initiate expansion. On November 7, 1968, the new facility, which was the world's largest for motorhome manufacturing, began operation. To ensure that Winnebago products were trouble-free and of the highest quality, the company developed numerous test facilities, including the industry's first test track, 
In the early 1990s, utilization of a computerized MTS road simulator allowed for reenactment of road tests, further aided in the development of durable products. Diversification has been an integral part of Winnebago's success for more than 40 years. In 1975, the company introduced a full line of grain trailer gravity boxes. Other endeavors have included van conversions, the revolutionary Winnie Wagon 2 with a length equal to the average station wagon, the Eurovan camper, and the Heel Home. The Heel Home allowed outdoor enthusiasts to enjoy the advantage of helicopter access to remote locations coupled with traditional Winnebago motorhome luxury. It was introduced for limited production in 1976. For those who long for the open road, nothing's better than taking the home along. To this end, numerous visionaries have sought the best of both worlds, the joy of a road trip and never forgetting that home is where the heart is. One of these people that has a vision for these things was the developer of the Airstream trailer. If one takes the time to give it some thought, it's really quite ironic. We take to the backcountry to get away from it all, to get back to nature. For the true outdoorsman of the modern era, this is often done in a climate-controlled 4x4, and the more refined, of course, prefer roughing it in an RV park. This is not a recent phenomenon. It's been the case for almost a century. By 1920, the modest price of cars such as the Model T even enabled the average person to be a tourist, escape the rigors and noise of the city, and take to the mountains or forest. To take advantage of this growing trend, numerous companies began offering a variety of campers and trailers. Interestingly enough, many of them simply took concepts from horse-drawn trailers that featured little more than fold-down beds covered by a tent when raised and then modified them to fit on truck or car chassis. Variations on these themes in the addition of specialty modifications such as the kitchen facility or lavatory remain the industry norm until the mid-1930s in the introduction of an American classic, the Airstream trailer. The company's founder, Wallace Byam, was well acquainted with travelers and their needs. His childhood years often included time spent with his grandfather who ran a mule train in Baker, Oregon. As a teenager, he earned money as a shepherd and called a two-wheel donkey cart his home. His interests and ambitions were broad, but travel was never far away from his thoughts. After leaving the Merchant Marine and studies of law at Stanford University, he founded an advertising agency and then became publisher of a do-it-yourself magazine. It was in that capacity that his future and the future of American camping were forever changed. When readers began to complain the plans for a travel trailer included in a feature article were flawed, he decided to try them out himself. As it turned out, the readers were correct, so he began to build his own model. This included the unique concept of dropping the floor between the wheels. Byam then wrote a detailed article on how to build the trailer for under $100. The response was such that Byam began selling plans for $5. He followed this with a sale of complete kits and finished trailers that were constructed in the backyard of his Los Angeles home. By the late 1920s, his career in law, publishing, and advertising was a thing of the past. In the first years of the following decade, he expanded and further developed his trailer concept. 
His experiments in incorporating aircraft construction and design methods, such as using monocoque aluminum body to provide better durability and wind resistance, as well as improvements to the weight to strength ratio, came together on January 17, 1936 in the Airstream Clipper. And the rest, as they say, is history. The Airstream trailer has gone on to be one of the most famous, most sought after, and most collectible of uh, travel trailers and campers. Hey, folks, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you found it fascinating. And I hope that you can join us on Wednesday morning, the 2nd of March, 6.30 a.m. We will be talking about cabins, motels, auto courts, and the evolution of roadside lodging. Should be a lot of fun. 6.30 Mountain Standard Time. Uh, our Sunday morning programs. As you know, we are locked out of Facebook, having some troubles with social media. Uh, so we have adapted a new format, and it's working very well. Now that I'm starting to figure out how it works. So, uh, Sunday morning, Coffee with Jim, 7 o'clock. I'll have the information up shortly on our website, Jim Hinckley's America. Uh, it's going to be done through Eventbrite. It's free, but you will need tickets uh, to get in to the program. It's a fully interactive program, so I think you're going to enjoy this immensely. Uh, if you're in Kingman this week, uh, Friday night, 5.30, I will be down at the Mojave Community College reading from my latest book. And Saturday at Mojave Museum of History and Arts, I will be talking about the evolution of the Great American Road Trip. My friends, until we meet again, via con Dios. Adios. Say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Jim Hinckley's America.